is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Drummond, my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, the opening Premier League match review is here. The first, the inaugural of season nine. It's going to be a big one. We've got the Everton match review uh, with with good live potting friend of the pod, Nisar Kinsella. I don't even know how to, of the standard, the evening standard, the London standard. How do we introduce you now? Yeah, evening standard. They dropped the London, but yeah, um, I've been back in London after a good old trip to the US, US tour in the <laughs> background there with Brandon. And yeah, no, we had a good time together, didn't we? But it's back to normality and back to the start of the season. Nothing like a good old away trip to Everton to start the season. Uh, but Dan, we've obviously got a lot that we're going to get into with this one. Um you must have been quite happy, Mr. West Coast, uh, that this was an, a, a late kickoff for, for your schedule. It was great, even though I woke up early and basically caught every match in the morning period. So, yeah, it was all good. I, did, I was doing opposition research. I need to send Thomas a few notes. I, I think I probably won for total commitment to both games, but I, I watched the first half while golfing yesterday for a buddy's bachelor party on my phone and played some real terrible golf because I was uh, a little upset with how Chelsea were playing. So, um, so that's 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 your boy's story, and I'm sticking to it. Does your golf game mimic Chelsea performances? Is that what we really have uncovered? That there's a link between the two? <laughs> the only link is that I'm I'm normally very bad. So when Chelsea play bad, that's the only link. If they were to play well, I'd still play bad, right? So, yeah, that's that's the Nick way that will hasn't go. won the Champions League yet, is what he's saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure haven't sure have not no uh what well, was good good to be back i actually watched it up north uh at the lake house which was uh very calm and fun so i had it to myself to kind of hang out and no busy pub yet but brits i will be there soon um anyways we're gonna be look we're gonna be talking about the new blues the strong debuts rediscovering our defensive resolve and that a lot of work still remains but we've got our three points and we move on so speaking of three uh, Dan, the three-word match reviews. I was looking at some of these. We had w- almost 300 responses on these. How you filter these out is unbelievable. Uh, but we've got, per usual, some mid-season form on the first day. Oh, look, it's completely subjective. And those who pander to me do a great job and usually Terrible. get in here. Like McLeese uh. with Jorginho top scorer, which is <laughs> great, great way to start off. Thomas Bates with Kying My Patience. Munin with Sticky Toffee Victory, Tom Norwood with the Shit or Shit House, Tana, wonderful friend of the tour, not just friend of the pod, Silky Summer Signing, Sarley with the I Was Whelmed. (laughs) By the way, that's that's my winner right there. I Was Whelmed. So good. Steven with the Kula Daddy Dominant, Nick with the Hey, We Won. Kev with the never-ending Bori with a little bit of a gif of Atreyu from Never-Ending Story. And then Dustin with the office gif of It's Your Birthday with It's Three Points to round it out. <laughs> it is your birthday. Good so old good. statement of fact. Uh, yeah, well, again, mid-season form from our friends on the 3 match review, which we really appreciate. I went with New Squad Vibes. Some of the vibes were great. Some of the vibes weren't so much, but hey, it's a new squad and we're vibing. So it'll be good to see uh, this team settle. Look, a lot of changes are still happening, as we've heard today, which I'm sure Naz uh, will fill us in on some of the deets. Uh, But yeah, 
Dan, what about you? The deets. Oh, God. I went with cutting some corners because Chelsea have cut several corners to get to where we were today. Uh, it'd be nice if eventually we score off one, though. That would be uh, that would be a positive. Very literal, Dan. That was nice. Yeah. So, all right. I've been told to save Nick's for last. So, uh, Naz. Yeah, I went for Marcos's summer siesta because he uh, <laughs> decided to not play. And uh, Barcelona are trying to sign him. It was a beautiful sunny day. So, what do the Spanish do on a beautiful sunny day? They have an afternoon nap, and he probably didn't even watch a game, I imagine. So, yeah, that was my <laughs> that was my one. Oh shit! Okay, well maybe Naz won. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I went with Cuckoo for K2. If you uh, if you are in the States, you will have known that there's a cereal called Cocoa Puffs, and there is a, uh, a well-known uh, commercial phrasing that's uh, your Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So Cuckoo for K2, that's where I'm going. Love at first sight, clearly. Yep. Um, all right. Well, look, huge shout out to Griffin, Joseph, Kimbrough, Sachet, and Cameron all for joining us on Patreon. Uh, Dan, the Apple Podcasts and Spotify trains are moving full speed ahead, which is lovely. Well, yeah, we had Harry Buddha from the U.S. and Essien is Blue from the U.S. as well, leaving wonderful five star reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We're now over 1.3 1,300 reviews on Spotify with 4.9, which is great. So uh, let's keep the push going. For 1.4, as we uh, get more people listening to the pod, hopefully share it with a friend, share it with a loved one, get somebody you don't know, maybe uh, to leave a review on your behalf. All good uh, stuff. All right. Well, here we go. It is match details time. It was Everton this past Saturday, the 6th of August in the Premier League opening weekend at Goodison Park. In case you somehow missed it, Everton nil. The mighty Chelsea won. Goals coming from Jorginho in the 45th plus ninth minute. That is right. The second um, latest goal scored in first half, I believe, yep. is the the stat that was given there. So, yep. um, and it, we're off by like a minute. So, a uh, bit of a unfortunate stoppage due to uh, Godfrey's injury, uh, which ended up giving us extra time to score a goal. So, Dan, run us through the lineup. Uh, back four, back three. What the hell did Tuchel do? Well, before that, I think we should maybe ask Nas the question of just how good was it to be back at Goodison Park and what the atmosphere was on the day, because I think it it looked like people were up for it. Even yeah. if the play wasn't necessarily at times. No, no. Well, I think the atmosphere is always good at Goodison. Um, it's like one of those old stadiums. It's really loud. Um, yeah, maybe that's part of the reason that some of the Chelsea teams of the past struggled there. So it is a hard place to go. Um, yeah, the team's really limited, but, uh, you know, the Everton team that Frank Lampard has, there's, there's not, not that good players, but fans always sort of stick behind the team, even if they're struggling. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good to go to Goodison. Um, it's a really tough game when it came out on a fixture computer, you're like, oh God, Chelsea's got the bogey team up first. Um, but yeah, it's, it was good. It was good to be in that sort of media setting, you know, you get in the, in the tunnel as well after the match as media as well. So you got that sort of whole working football atmosphere it's really fun so yeah i was i was delighted to be down back working and um yeah it's uh good to get a, a big away game at the start of the season well speak of good away games and the lineup that you had a chance to see it was at well many between the sticks tiago silva cool bali and Azpilicueta as the back three with a midfield pairing of Jorginho and conte to start ben chilwell and reese james were on the wing back 
rotation for the day. Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz were your attackers. Kepa, Chalaba, Kovacic, Ziyech, unused subs. And that's right, Tuchel got all five of his subs off the bench. There was some clear, quick, quick commentary noise about maybe not understanding how that sub rule works, but we, you know, we as the fans, we knew what was going on. Uh, you did see Christian Pulisic, Rune Loftus-Cheek come in in the 65th minute. Marcus Cucurella came on in the 75th minute, along with Armando Broja. And then Conagher Gallagher came in at the very, very tippity end of the match for Jorginho. Don't let Peter Drury confuse you, Dan. It's Cucurella and Broja. All right, just because he botched on the broadcast, we got you. All right, we're gonna. Well, take look, care it's a, it's, this is a tribute to Drury. Oh, <laughs> yeah, doing doing the Drury uh, tribute act. That's fun. That's nice. Opening weekend, we get it, huh? Yeah. Uh, top line stats: Chelsea with uh, just shy sixty three percent possession on the road. Uh, we had fifteen shots with six on target. Everton pulling off eight shots with four of those being on target. Um, we had sixteen clearances. They had twenty seven. Obviously busy on the day, but. I think a lot of them are pretty easy. We were just dumping crosses in the box with nobody there. Uh, we had a couple offsides to there, none. We had two cautions to there, three and 11 fouls conceded to there, 14. Um, so, yeah, Naz, like I said, it, it was obviously sloppy at times, as you would expect. So between stats, lineups, uh, anything that you want to kind of pull out of this uh, as far as, as how you saw it kind of kick off? Um, yeah, I mean... I thought that it was a typical Chelsea game. I think Thomas Tuchel said it, uh, you know, after the match that it felt like, you know, the kind of game that Jorginho wins from the penalty spot where they're not not creating great chances, not clinical enough in front of goal, um, you know, maybe giving away half chances to Everton, um, who really had a really poor front three. Um, you know, Calvert-Lewin's out injured. Um, I think Everton created one or two chances, but... Without a real striker, um, they were quite poor. Anthony Gordon played up front, and he's really not a decisive player. I think he probably has about, he probably has less than five Premier League goals in his career. Um, and then the rest of the front line, Dwight McNeil got relegated, and uh, Damari Gray is, um, yeah, okay, but not a special player. So, yeah, it was it was a sort of game where, um, yeah, Chelsea just sort of left the other team in it. Um, you know, it's only 1-0 win. So, you know, Everton at any point could have maybe nicked a draw. Um, and that was why, you know, it's always in the balance with the atmosphere, you know, one long ball, one deflection, and then, you're, you know, you're drawing that game. So um, it was a bit tense, but um, I actually thought Chelsea probably started pretty slow, got the penalty against the run of play. But I thought in the second half, actually, they gradually sort of controlled the game and started to really earn the win. Um, you know, the, I thought the last minutes of the match were some of the best minutes and it was with a really makeshift lineup as well. So it just shows you that sort of strength in depth and, and how Thomas uses the five subs. I think that'll be, you know, really important for Chelsea as the season goes on and maybe a factor that could actually help Chelsea get more points. So, um, yeah, it's not accomplished, but it was a just about a worthy win. And I'd say that, um, yeah, we can treat it as almost like a preseason match for Chelsea because I feel like they're still finding fitness, still finding um, the connections and cohesion. And and I think Chelsea got out of it and, um, you know, we'll be better for it next week when they've got a tougher game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the point I'd make on this, and I know we have a lot of different parts that we'll dive into, so I'm not going to pre-do uh, that. But getting the win yesterday was all that mattered to me. I, I mean, this was a fixture that twice last year we bungled 
Um, the, you, if you remember the home match, Everton scored a late equalizer out of absolutely nothing uh, that got us a draw at that like critical stage of the season where we basically fell out of the title race. And then obviously we lost uh, to keep them afloat last year in, in a very similar fashion. Uh, Chelsea do not have the kindest start to the season in terms of fixtures. And so getting one on the board here as like underwhelming or whelming, I think, as as our as our friend put it, it was. I think the result is what matters here. It was not ever going to be the best football that we played. Um, so I'm I think I'm just pleased with the fact that they were able to gut it out, even if it wasn't pretty. And you take it and you move on because that's just the way that is just how this league works. You look at the way that Liverpool was drawn in the on on their opening day, like it can happen in this league to anybody. So um, you, you you have to win these winnable matches and Everton are a bottom five team this year. So you have to win both of these. I mean, Liverpool got bodied by Fulham. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think you're going to find more of that this year, right? Is as good as Liverpool and city and, and, you know, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal are like, I think you're going to have really, really tough competition. I mean, I don't want to say too much about the Brighton United match here, Naz, uh, you know, but the teams that I think we like four or five years ago would have said were like, you know, 16th, 15th, 14th in the league. They have all gotten better over this period of time. And I think that is going to pose a greater challenge to the top six than it ever has before. So in these matches where you have an incredibly weak Everton team, probably the weakest of our lifetime. I mean, this thing is, is really tough what they have going on there. You have to win this game, even if it's not pretty. All right. Well, yeah, we definitely will jump into a lot more, but Nick real quick, the empout shit house moment of the match was actually off the pitch and online. Off the pitch. Well, should, 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 should we clarify? Because we have new listeners likely. Yes. It's their first time listening, maybe to a match review. What is the NV at the NV pet? So, all right, look, guys, uh, it's like it's like your first day back at school. Everyone's all excited. You know, we're back in a match review setting. Everyone's wearing their cool new jerseys and outfits and everyone's feeling good. We we coined the uh, N pet or or NV pet, whatever you want to say, is the Nick Verlaney patented eye test moment of the match. The 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 moment where the the biggest shit house thing happens and my eyeballs saw it, so I put it in the script. Like that's how this goes. Uh, for this match, there wasn't a whole lot of extra shit housey things that have happened. Usually, a Rudiger moment last season would have made this. Uh, for example, we're, we're lacking a little bit of that right now. But I would say that the Chelsea Twitter admin over the last few days has been out in these streets bodying people. I mean, there has been shoulder checks. There's been two footed tackles there was one yesterday where they, where they kind of uh they 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 coined this little uh photo between Mina and Georgina who's about to take the penalty and you know it was a nice little stick at bottom left uh commentary which was was good but I think the one that got most people excited was the Cucurella Cucurea signing uh I gotta get that right very early days here um they they kind of did they reversed the Brighton uh Following reports from numerous media outlets this week, we can confirm an agreement has been reached with Brighton and Hove Albion for the signing of Marco Correa. So uh, this was one that had huge engagement on Twitter. I think everyone knew what was happening here. And uh, and look, Chelsea Twitter admin starting the season strong, which I like. Love it. We love the ten body. Ten on the day. New body. Look, new social media strategy, new owners. If this is what we're up to, I am excited. And 
just real quick. We've seen it work with a lot of other ones. I think the Venezia FC uh, uh, one does They're really good. well. There's a there's a few other clubs that have like done well at like being a little bit more personable. So, anyways, Roma's is probably the best. To Roma be fair. is Ro- the Roma leader is in that one. Yeah, the S tier. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, hey, we're gonna take a quick ad break. When we get back, we're jumping into new blues, strong debuts. Credit to Dan for the nice little rhyme there. So, thank you to sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG One because, well. It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and and fat. And now we gotta add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, coming out of the ad break, Nick, we have shirts. So if you just heard the Shopify ad, it is literally true. <laughs> we are using you Shopify got the chime to get in your, these going. In your, uh, yeah, no, I I know that we sold a lot of shirts on tour. We still have sizes. Uh, Brandon kept some back in, in Minneapolis to ship out. I know that he's been hard at work shipping everyone's orders out um, from the tour who ordered and from you know just random orders that came in. If you are looking for a chaos and trophy shirt and you're like, boy, a lot of people are looking really good in this chaos and trophy shirt, go grab one. We still have sizes available. Uh, Brandon has a le- nice little shipping station at home. Uh, he's he's very much a, a busy elf these days shipping out shirts. So go get those from a housekeeping perspective. Yeah, just imagine him as an elf and it's a lot better. Uh, housekeeping perspective. Dan put together a pretty incredible Kukurea Megapod on Friday. We did a little pre-commentary at the beginning of the episode, and then there's just a ton of different perspectives, uh, including the Albion Analytics uh, guy who I just got through, who does an incredible job of breaking down Kukurea as a player. Highly, highly encourage everyone to go listen to that to kind of figure out why this signing was, was so important for Chelsea. And boy, are we back with kind of a full schedule. Uh, Dan and I planned through October, but this week, Return of Academy and women's shows this week. So lots happening here, guys. Lots happening here. And, you know, Spurs is coming up next weekend. So nothing to see here. Going to be a big week. But all right, let's focus in at the task at hand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, New Blues, strong debuts. Two of the three best performances came from Chelsea's new signings, K2 Koulibaly, uh, is where we're going to start. 
a mountain of a man is what we're getting. So at Satman Dave saying Koulibaly's game by numbers versus Everton. 100% dribbles completed. 66% tackles won. 60% aerial duels won. 50 passes completed with three clearances, three tackles, an interception, a long pass completed, a shot, and one last man tackle. Solid Premier League debut. Uh, Naz, what did you make of Khalidou Koulibaly making his Premier League debut? Is he going to have a hard time adjusting to a new league in a new country? Maybe, maybe there'll be moments. Um, I think that in general, he's going to be fine. I don't think we're going to see him really flounder and really look like off the pace or not good enough at any point. Um, you know, that debut yesterday, I think he was tested uh, quite a lot and, um, you know, he handled it um, pretty well, especially when Chelsea have a lot of the ball. I think he's going to be an absolutely amazing asset. I think he's such a good ball playing centre-back. Um, both feet, he's, he's so comfortable with, you know, he carried the ball you know, it was it was very Rudiger-esque, you know, how far up the pitch he carried the ball. And, you know, it tends to be Aspilicueta and Thiago who stick back. Um, and it still is, even now. Rudiger's gone, Christensen's gone. Um, those two kind of stuck back and he was the one who stepped in and he, he had that moment for the goal, you know. He created the, you know, he had the pass, the sort of left-footed through ball. Um, this is weaker foot, by the way, um, to Ben Chilwell. He drove in the box, got brought down, won the penalty. So, yeah, I was impressed. And, you know, what made it harder for him was that, um, you know, Ben Chilwell was a little bit off the pace. I think, you know, if you look at his TV interview, he admits it. Um, and, and no one's expecting too much of him right now. You know, I've done my ACL, so I know the journey back. And and you're like, and yeah, and so did, so did you, Brandon. So, yeah, I think that when you're, you know, you need a lot of, you need a lot of games to feel confident in your body. There was a lot of miscontrols. Um, you know, the jewels, he was probably second best in a lot because naturally you're a bit worried about hurting yourself again. It's it's something that you need to play in a lot to get over that. So Ben Chilwell needs time and anyone who's listening to this needs, you know, needs to needs to realize that. But yeah, it just showed you that sometimes, you know, down that left side where Koulibaly was, there was a chance for Everton to get at, at him and they did. And, um, you know, he brought a few players down, probably should have been booked in my opinion in the first half. Um, but um, I thought he he handled it pretty well. And then his body was um, cramping up in the second half, wasn't it? Um, you know, it showed you the physicality difference between Serie A and the Premier League. And also the fact that he hasn't had a perfect preseason either. Um, it won't be a problem in the long term, but it's just something that, you know, it just showed you how how much he pushed himself to, you know, put in that good performance, how much Thomas Tuchel needed him that day. Um, and yeah, he was probably, in my opinion, in the top half performers, if not top three or four of Chelsea on the day. So, yeah, very well done for to him. And uh, yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, I think you make a couple of really good points there. I mean, obviously, without Chilwell at full strength, kind of protecting that side. He did a lot of running yesterday. Um, and in possession, your point about how much and how far forward he was and how much backtracking he had to do because he was so far forward is a really strong point. I think the two things that stick out to me, well, three things. One, he's really fucking good. So I'm not worried about it. I think he's going to be fantastic for, for Chelsea. The second thing is it shows you how physically fit Rudiger was last year to play all those matches, to do all that running, to be a psychopath like he was and, and to, and to do it all without really, I mean, what was the last time you saw Rudiger cramp? I mean, almost never. Right. So this is a guy who was in peak physical well, condition. He could, he could invent a cramp when yeah. necessary. Yeah, yeah. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't due to being gassed. I mean, I think that's something cool. Ball he's going to have to 
to figure out. And then the third thing is, I think it reinforces how, like why we need another reinforcement, <laughs> right? Because I don't think you want this back three playing 60 matches, right? I think you want to be able to spell them with Trev, with, you know, potentially assigning to be named later that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about and ensure that they can be at their peak physical condition for the biggest games of the season because their experience together was fantastic. And I know that there's a lot of doubters around Dave right now too, you know, even though he signed a you know, new two-year contract, but I thought they were all fantastic. They all threw their body in front of the ball yesterday. They all looked like they were in a pretty decent rhythm passing wise amongst each other. So all three of those things really stuck out to me, Dan, as, as to why this particular piece is so important, but it also shows how much work we have to do. Yeah. Great reading of the tackles he made. And I think really good timing and how he picked people up. I mean, the one on Gordon in the box was really impressive. I mean, that's a challenge that if you get wrong, it's uh, likely a, a red and a penalty potentially. And he avoided, he, he, came up to the line and knew exactly where to go and uh, not step over it effectively. And so just in general, I think we've got a really strong signing on our hands, Brandon. And I think he's going to be, I think he's already a fan favorite, but I feel like he's going to be someone that the supporters are really going to enjoy watching over the course of the season. Off to a strong start. If fitness is his only issue right now, we're in a great spot with him, for sure. If his reading of the game, his uh, execution on tackles, and all that stuff is what's flowing, great. Like That, that is a good situation to, to have him, and even got a shot on target. So the funny thing is, like, I don't want to do the uh, Rudiger comparison the whole time, but uh, he clearly loves a shot on goal as well. He had a couple marauding runs out of the back as well. So I think we saw a lot more glimpses of like, oh, yeah, I think this is going to work out just fine. Uh, than maybe we expected the one you think he got that you think he got that bonus that Rudiger had <laughs> that gold <laughs> bonus included yeah uh, the one thing I would say though is that uh, maybe a little bit concerning on speed in the back line if it's Tiago Koulibaly and Dave uh, and if the wingbacks aren't absolutely on it then yeah a little bit in trouble but Angola which, was which they weren't help. which they weren't yesterday I mean Angola Correct. had to do a lot of tracking back yep. too so it was yep. Not a perfect defensive five, if you if you'll have that, but uh, enough to get the clean sheet. So Tuchel's assessment uh, post match was quote Cooley simply showed his quality, experience, and courage. Struggled physically end quote. I love it. That that's a you know if it's just fitness, that's a good place to be right now. Uh, the next one was Sterling sparkling sparking the attack. Sparkly works too. Uh, I mean, he, he could have sparkled. You know? Yeah, it's his quick quick feet. Uh, Tuchel. So anyways, Raheem. Um, led the attack today i think for us i think everyone mount was off a little bit um okay kai we won't even touch that right now we'll just focus on the fact that raheem was the bright spot in attack nas um he looks completely settled he looks like he knows what he wants to do when he gets the ball he knows what runs he should be making i guess i'm just surprised uh how fluid he looks this quick into his chelsea tenure yeah, I think it shows that maybe there are some similarities between sort of Thomas Thomas's methods and Pep Guardiola's sort of methods. It felt like, you know, he handled the demands of being a Chelsea player because he comes from a, 
a club that's really built the right way and, and has systems where there's no negotiables on, you know, the running, the running ability, the the work that you put in, you know, he completed the full match. Um, and yeah, there's, there's intensity about his play. He's involved all the time. He's constantly moving. When you're sat in that stadium and you're watching him, um, you're just sort of seeing him always moving, always finding pockets, always linking up. I mean, he linked up so brilliantly with the midfielders and Golo Kante and Jorginho, I think he was the one that they they carried the ball to most often out of the front three. He was the one who sort of linked up um, the attack. So that's really going to be a useful skill. Um, it was quite an interesting week, actually, of, of covering Chelsea because we had um, a Thomas Tuchel press conference and, and um, Matt Law, one of the guests of the pod, was asking about problems of the attack and the number nine and it made headlines saying the curse of the number nine shirt, no one wants to wear it. But what was more interesting amongst that was why Chelsea... Um, and not as good going forward, and that that's going to be an issue. Um, and one of the reasons was it's it's the formation. Um, you know they rely on the wing backs to get forward, and and they weren't fully fit. Reese James or Ben uh, or Ben Chilwell yesterday, so they didn't have any of that. The midfield two are very much sort of sitting midfielders, so you're just totally reliant on three players to just magic stuff up out of nowhere. And and you know Sterling seemed to have the capability to do that. It was both being a goal threat himself and creating for others. He was great at that. And he was also a link player. Um, but the gap sometimes between the midfield and wing backs and the front three is really big. So um, yeah, you need to have a lot of touches. You need to be strong. You need to be, you know, wait for your mates to come and and, and catch up with the play. Um, and Sterling, he seemed to have like, you know, everything needed really to sort of help do that. You know, he won so many free kicks high up the pitch, which took pressure off. You know, Chelsea were under pressure in certain moments of the game. And, um, you know, that offside goal that he got, that was really marginal. That's a split second. Um, you know, it was offside, no debate about that, but it's literally a split second, you know, movement from a defender. If, if that defender is on his heels, he's onside and it's a goal and he's got a debut goal and and we're all celebrating even more than than, than we are now. So, um, yeah, I was really impressed. I thought he's one of the best players on the pitch. I thought he was absolutely um, excellent, um, completely fits the system. Um, and yeah, the hope is that he makes the others better because, um, and then, and is that too much responsibility for him? I don't know, but this is a guy that everyone's gonna have to get used to being the marquee player. Like it's kind of hard cause you've seen him play for Man City for so long and been annoyed at him, but he's one that needs a lot of love. I think the Chelsea fans need to get really behind him because I think that this is the team Thomas is building his team around. Uh, this is the player that he's building his team around. Um, he's got the highest salary in the club. He's, you know, one of the reasons they didn't sign Ronaldo was because they wanted Sterling to be the highest paid player. You know, if you bring Ronaldo in, he's the new highest paid player, but they want Sterling to have that status. You know, they feel like he deserves it. He's an England international, one of England's best players. They want him to be, you know, Chelsea's main man, figurehead. Um, you know, you might even see a mural on the wall of Stamford Bridge when you go there um, for the Spurs game with his face on. So, um, yeah, this guy is the poster boy um, now. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're really hoping he makes the others better. Um, so, yeah, I thought I was really impressed. T take all the energy and singing, Dan, that you've reserved for Timo Werner over the last couple of years. We'll get to that in a minute. Just shift it over to Raheem. Uh, Timo gets the most love in the stadium from you know from the matches that we've been to. You just need to shift it. That's all. We're not asking for extra. Just uh, reappropriate the energy and the chanting for him. Well, 
And I would say that not every team is going to play us the way Everton does. Very, very narrow passing lanes. Really, really difficult to navigate through. I mean, Naz mentioned the play with the wing backs, but, you know, even the midfield had a hard time finding a passing lane to get the ball forward to him. And often, more often than not, it was Raheem's movement in the box that was creating space for others to find kind of the flexibility. And he, if we're talking about the goal, he had that amazing run across the box to get the ball to Koulibaly to get the ball to Chilwell. And, you know, he basically was able to withstand, attempt to dispossess, attempt to tackle, attempt to dispossess, attempt to tackle, basically got WWE taken down in the box at the uh, in the first half as well. Like he is going to be a absolute problem for some teams, uh, particularly as we really start to get healthy and figure out our midfield. Brandon, you know, getting the ball to him, having a little bit more space in the passing lanes. It's going to be it's going to be a problem for other teams. Four for five successful dribbles, uh, 0.4 XG himself. The only one ahead of him was Jorginho, and that's obviously off of a pen, uh, which put him at 0.8. I think that um, the fact that Chelsea, we had 1.6 XG on the match today, that's the second highest. So, so far, Newcastle and Liverpool uh, had 1.9. Again, the fact that Tottenham had 1.5 and scored four goals is uh, maybe a Hmm. little bit of a... A silver lining for them uh but the point is raheem was central to to all of that and again he also looks like he has um a hell of a lot of motivation to be successful this season too he's not coming in to collect a check he's coming in to win things and i think be a huge player for the team and i think that's really exciting we've also seen raheem and in, in the the young players you know walking out to training and stuff like you can tell uh, that he's taking a leadership role in the locker room right away, which is you know part of the intangibles that that you always look for. I was I just wanted to jump in. One of the only things that concerns me about Raheem is that he does miss a few chances, you know, and he will miss chances at Chelsea. Um, I just hope people don't get on his back and and create this like toxic culture that we've seen around other players with Raheem Sterling. You know, with England, um, he's sometimes one that sort of people pick out and criticize, but you're like what you're talking about. He's the best player. He's what pretty much the best, definitely the best attacker in the Euros where England got further than they did. And, you know, since they last won the world cup in a, in an international tournament. So he was the attacking leader in that tournament above even Harry Kane. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes he's not so pleasing on the eye with his sort of finishes, but, um, I think that more often than not, he'll contribute and get loads of goals. Um, but I just worry that sort of that lack of, pleasingness on the eye um, could lead to people scapegoating him a little bit. And um, I don't think he'll be affected by it, but, you know, we've seen it that, you know, if there's not that love there in the stadium, then sometimes it can have an effect on the team. So I hope certainly it doesn't, you know, if it happens online, it happens online. We can't really control that. It's a crazy place, Wild West on Twitter. But on in the stadium, I really hope that, you know, the supporters always stick behind him and really push him onwards to sort of, feel like he is that leader as well look a uh, bit of a low standard after last season when it comes to goal scoring so he can get a couple he'll probably win everyone over right away he was also a little unlucky yesterday with the deflected chance right at the end i mean good tackle just, yeah it was a really good tackle right in front and you know that that's potentially a goal that opens his account and great ball in from kukurea obviously to to kind of set him up but he found the right pocket of space to be in that position, which I think is the thing that is most in, encouraging for me about how he played yesterday is 
he's able to navigate in tight spaces the way that some of our other forwards aren't. All right. Well, last one up in this section is is Mark Kukurea, uh, our new wing back for the time being. So uh, came on as a sub for S. No, for, no, for Chilwell, and then moved Reese over. Uh, so Reese, wait, no, no, K two. Yeah, it was when Kulabali came off. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of weird switches that kind of <laughs> happened yesterday due to yeah. fitness levels. Um, but anyways, uh, Tuchel had some kind words from says, uh, Mark helped us in the last 20 minutes. He's very good on the ball with his intelligent passing to escape a lot of situations where we were under pressure. Well done to all of them. The substitutes end quote. Uh, so anyways, Dan, Mark Kukurea, uh, energetic, got the hair flow, uh, the official away kit debutante, uh, broke the news, uh, for his signing. Uh, what'd you make of him? Yeah, dressed up as a uh, Dixie cup for Halloween. That's uh, kind of what uh, we were doing there. Um, good good overall performance. Was really good within some of the pressing, was getting far forward. Could have had an assist. Like that. That's probably the best thing that you can kind of say in terms of performance was finding ways to contribute in both sides of the pitch, kind of getting the ball forward and operating very comfortably under pressure in tight spaces in the back and was able to carry the ball forward. And that's off of a single day of training with the team. That's the other thing we have to remember. Like this is not someone who had the full U S tour trip. This is someone who, you know, was whether or not when the medical was happening was a question mark Thursday. When did he get a first chance to play with the team and get a chance to train with them Friday? When was his first match for Chelsea Saturday? Like this is a crazy 72 hours. This guy's had to getting to this point. And I don't think you could have expected much more of him. And he delivered on the performance. Yeah. I mean this, I put a tweet out like, of course, right before he came on that I don't, I didn't think it was realistic for him to play yesterday. And of course, then we had a bunch of, you know, fatigue, cramps, whatever, which kind of forced him in. But like, it's not an ideal scenario for a player who's been with the team for less than 24 hours to play a full match, even though he's, you know, been doing preseason training and and clearly is fit. I don't know, Naz. It was just like, I think it was a set of unfortunate circumstances that if Koulibaly had been, you know, 90 minutes fit that he, he probably doesn't see the field yesterday and probably works his way into maybe featuring during the Spurs match. But it was just kind of a tough fitness thing between him and Chilwell, uh, between uh, Koulibaly and Chilwell that he was kind of forced to come in. But he does look fit and he does look energetic and he has some real bite to him that I'm I'm excited about um, as it pertains to the way that he can add uh, a little bit of, uh, of that to Chelsea. Yeah, you're spot on there, Nick, as well, about why he was used and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I echo the thoughts that he was brilliant yesterday, but... It really was crazy that he played, you know, Dan was saying, but, you know, I was at Cobham the day that he signed and um, Kukurea was knocking about um, and um, Suckle's press conference was at 11am and um, the Premier League deadline to register a player is just before 12 noon in the Premier League match. So Kukurea was there in the training ground. They were filing the paperwork very last minute. It was literally just, 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 just in time. Um, They were panicking a little bit as well because the training session started something like, 1230 and they needed to use the media room to do his photographs so they were like can you guys leave we just need to do the photographs so they get straight to training and it was all like this it's all like a whirlwind so you can imagine the experience of being that guy and, and you know he really wanted this move it's it's a big move for him also the transfer 
I think was done in like three days of negotiations, very, very quickly, very decisive by Chelsea. Um, so yeah, this guy's had his head spinning for a while and, um, you know, he's missed some of Brighton's preseason as well. Um, so he's not, you know, as fit as he should be. And, and in a normal circumstance, you know, what Nick was saying, it wouldn't happen that he plays this match, but to do that and not only do that and play excellently and not only do that, but contributes to the overall team performance where Chelsea were under pressure in this match. And, when he did come on, they were under less pressure because they were controlling the game better. Um, yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. And and you know, when I was in Goodison Park watching him play, um, I was kind of looking at Thomas Tuchel as well, his reaction to what he did, and it, it was constantly like applause, thumbs up, um, stuff like that. So I think he was a little bit blown away at first about what he delivered. You know, there's a crossfield ball, he did one of his first touches, um, and you're just like, that's exactly what. Thomas wants from his wing backs. It's almost like he he knew what Thomas needed right away, despite probably having one team meeting with him and one training session. So yeah, really great. Um, you know, Thomas Tuchel has admired, admired him for a long time. Um, and also Chelsea have been, you know, scouting him. I first wrote about him in March um 2020, I think, when um he was playing for Getafe. And I hadn't really seen him play, but you know, people were telling me Chelsea like this guy. Um, Frank Lampard was the manager then. Um, yeah, and Chelsea finally got him. You know, the pathway. That's what Chelsea do. They scout these guys for years and years. And and on this on this Kukurea issue, Thomas Tuchel's opinion and Chelsea's opinion was really aligned. You know, the scouts are involved in the transfers, the manager, and then of course the owners, the Todd Bowley and Bedad Egbali. So yeah, it's um, it's it's a match made in heaven potentially, and um, yeah, really good, uh, really really good, and um, yeah, he seems bigger in person as well. I was in the mix zone and I saw him walk past, and uh, yeah, I was a little bit worried about his height for the centre back role because you know he might play left centre back quite a bit, um, but yeah, he's actually um, maybe a bit taller than people say. Is he looks he looks tall to me anyway? So yeah, maybe he can do the job. I'm very impressed, and um, yeah, I think. He costs too much, in all in all honesty. Um, I wasn't on the Kukurea Megapod, but um, I think that he's still a great signing. So you know, he's the right pro, he's the right man. It's just you know they just played paid a bit too much for him. But yeah, Man City's lost his Chelsea's gain on this one, guys. And uh, yeah, great great debut again. I think I think the last point I make about Kukurea is that physically, like we have. We have some flair players at Chelsea, and I think over the last couple of years, the team has gotten less and less physical. Obviously, you lose a Rudiger, you lose a ton of physicality. I like that this is a battler, like someone who's going to come in and challenge and be physical and take on uh, opposition players and not be afraid to get stuck in. I think we need more of those players, not less. Uh, I think that that is a foundation of what it means to be Chelsea. So it's a great signing in that regard. All right, well, let's go ahead and transition to part two, uh, rediscovering our defensive resolve. Uh, Chelsea, even lacking some or a lot of fitness, gave Everton little to no joy, which was nice. So, uh, Dan, I know you have some stuff lined up for this one. Um, We won the Champions League by not conceding, by being unbelievably hard to beat. Uh, We start off with a clean sheet. Again, wasn't the prettiest, but that's not the point this early in the season with such a disjointed squad you could say well when you look at what Chelsea were able to do even not at full strength and again this this is an Everton side that is really struggling with attackers right now I mean they don't have a recognized striker playing so we'll we'll caveat it same bro same 
<laughs> eight eight total shots. Only three of their shots were on target. So that is a good thing in terms of what you're looking at there. When you look at who took the shots, I mean, DeCorey took two. Tarkowski took two of them. Mason Holgate took one of them. Uh, Mo, uh, Mo Kalenko took one of them. Like, when you think about who you want taking shots for a team, the majority of those players are not players that Frank Lampard wants taking a shot on target for Everton. I mean, obviously, all goals count. So, yes, that would be great. But then when you kind of dig in deeper, I mean, Mendy only had to save two of the shots. The majority were either off target or blocked. Um, Like, we are refining our defensive solidity in this first game this season. It was a really good preseason where the points actually counted type of match in terms of getting right back up to where we needed to be. But in general, when you look at it, DeCore had 0.2 XG. Holgate had two, Tarkowski had one, Gray had one, and then no other shots actually even registered, you know, kind of beyond a, a they were less than a tenth of a of a point. For XG. So for XG. Yeah. I, that, that's really good in terms of doing what Chelsea had built a foundation on doing, which is being a super tif- uh, difficult team to play against and find good quality shot opportunities. And that, to me, is at least a signal that in the back half of the pitch – we're actually like right on target for where we need to be heading into a game against Spurs where we know how to, you know, limit shot creation, which is what Chelsea have done a really good job at in the last two seasons when we've been our best. Again, small sample size, Nick, but only Nottingham Forest had a worse XG uh, than Everton, which, you know, means we set up shop well. Um, Tiago Silva turns 38 soon. Uh, can you tell? Uh, well, a little bit at the end, I think he was a little banged up there at the end, which wasn't, you know, I think it was just a product of, of what everyone was going through. But I mean, I mean, he's just him and Koulibaly together. It's just oozes class. It's just so good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, the, the blocks were impressive yesterday. Obviously most clearances at three, most interceptions at four, most long passes at nine, uh, decent indicator and most passes completed at 62, uh, Naz, he's just a Cadillac, and and we love him. He's fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of people were willing me to to put. I did I had to do my player ratings, and a lot of people wanted Cooley Bally to win. But in all honesty, it was it was Thiago Silva. It was not even debatable, you know, for me watching it. And I was glad that the Premier League also gave him the man of the match. I saw them pick up the award, and yeah, it's um, he's amazing. Obviously, um, I think I do think. Um, that he was a bit he was a bit stressed actually because I think he was pulling pulling you know I think Koulibaly through the game a little bit you know he had to learn to communicate with a new guy I think Aspie's also you know um, had a really tough preseason and and looked a bit off the pace in certain ways as well so I think he had quite a tough game in reality and those last ditch blocks as well um, you ideally don't want to do that I think Thomas Tuchel would say that's an imperfection to to have Thiago Silva doing recovery runs and and he hates doing recovery runs because he likes to control it. He doesn't want to be that sort of last ditch defender. I mean, yes, maybe in big Champions League games you 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 can't avoid it, but if you're against Everton, you're controlling the ball. Um, you know, you're cutting out counter attacks from midfield and wing back. Then he doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. So, I have a little bit of concern actually um, about Chelsea defensively. I think that they're moving towards this solidity, and there is. Um, you know, Koulibaly's influence is going to be felt, but I still think there's, um, you know, a weakness there. If I was Spurs looking at that performance, I'd be like, we can get at these guys, you know, not the quickest back three, 
wing back is not match fit. Um, you know, the, the protection in front of them wasn't perfect. So um yeah, I think that um Chelsea need to improve. Um I don't I think Thiago Silva did too much last ditch action. You know, we, we've got to talk about final balls as well. Anthony Gordon tried to play in Damari Gray in the first half on a counter-attack. Now that ball should have gone to him. There's there's no doubt about it. But Thiago does a miracle block and also the quality was a bit lacking from Everton. I think if Richarlison was playing in that match for Everton still, um, it would have been a much harder game as well. So it could have been different. I thought the Everton front three were terrible. Delhi, who came on late, was absolutely abysmal. Um, you know, the way he he had that check in the box when he he, he sort of had those touches when he was on the counter-attack. So this is a low-level opponent, a very low-level opponent, and Thiago was still under pressure. So Chelsea need to improve, like they really do for this next match. And I think that this next week is 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 vital um, for sort of it's like you know preseason extended. They need to be really sharp, really on top of it. Um, you know, maybe bring Kukurea in more, and um, maybe even another defender. So yeah, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this week turns out because I felt like. Chelsea weren't fully tight at the back, even though I can kind of see the plan. I see the blueprint and I can see the way, you know, what Dan was saying, that they they won the Champions League on defence. And I think that, again, this season, they need to be really mean because I'm a bit concerned about lack of goals at the other end. So defence might be the way that Chelsea win stuff again. Wingbacks, fitness, I definitely think Chilwell looked fragile again. Um, And then when Reese went to the left, we're definitely gassed. But... Uh, the good news is you can see the pieces coming together, especially, and this is a big if Fofana deal comes through, all of a sudden you kind of look at Chelsea's defense and like in a few weeks, you're like, we're stacked going forward. Obviously, Mendy need, he had some good saves. We need him to stay clutch uh, throughout this whole thing. But Angola Conte, unsurprisingly, not a hot take. Uh, we need him to be healthy because he is the linchpin to all things uh, successful defensively for Chelsea because he does track back. He does tackle back. He intercepts. He is just so, so good. It takes such a burden off him. So we need to just see how he does, um, you know, I guess this season. I mean, no surprise, Chelsea need world-class player to step up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, it is true. I mean, I got a little bit of shit on Twitter because I didn't include him in my first half performers that I thought did well. But, I mean, he... He clearly had a good game yesterday. Um, it was a little bit more manic than you would have expected in midfield, I think, which is I think just a product of the team kind of gelling uh, more than anything. But, uh, I mean, Dan, it, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for Jorginho if he doesn't have Kovacic or Ingolo Conte next to him this year. It, it's, I still didn't see the pace or decisiveness from him. And, and it, I think Ngolo kind of offered him the ability to get out of tough situations at times again yesterday. And so it's just, it means that this is more critical to the mission than ever to keep him fit. Well, he was one of our best kind of progressive. He was you know, everywhere. In moving the ball yeah, forward to get it down the pitch. Uh, particularly when you think about the fact that w- the reason you saw Asby and Koulibaly having to go so far forward is because there wasn't enough space and you had to find ways to either overload on a side or create a man advantage somewhere on the pitch to really get the ball going. And I think to your point, at times when we were trying to find the lane forward, could we gamble a little bit more or did we feel comfortable with just saying we have possession, let's pass it around and find the lane, which is typically 
with Jorginho on the side, what we tend to do when it comes to looking for it. But what you're seeing maybe with N'Golo a little bit more is his forward kind of pass, whether it's that connection with uh, Mason or Reese, uh, usually on the right, is he's trying to find a lane to get that ball forward, which is a nice kind of evolution of his game as well. I I think, um, you know, I there's a lot of players we could talk about. I think you could go into, you know, Reese James as well, who I think you can, you know, uh, rely on him all season. I think we're good in in that sense. So, um, not I, not incredibly sharp, but I think grew into the game would be a fair assessment. It started to get a little bit better, but it wasn't like a perfect performance by any means either. For sure, insert fitness levels again with him. Um, but anyways, what, what I guess I'm saying is I want to push ahead to like the fact that we still have some works that's going to remain, especially when we have Naz. There's a lot go like. The bully um, buffet is still like cooking and there's a lot of people that are going to come in, come out. So like the team we saw today is going to be completely different by the time the transfer window ends. So while work still does remain, uh, Tuchel sets the stage uh, with this quote. He goes, I think if we can add to the squad, we add midfielders may not be the first option, but we can use new legs and fresh input to bring us to a new level. If not, we will push. We could use some inputs and more quality. We are on it, end quote. And you know the we, that is Todd and Tommy. They're just running around Europe, just picking people apart, wheeling and dealing. Apparently he flew, what was it, uh, Kukurea's people to Cyprus or something like that? Greece. Mykonos. Greece, yeah, to Mykonos, you know, like... He's ready to go. Um, and so I guess, Naz, from your perspective, um, there's a lot of outgoings. Uh, I think the big one is the Timo Werner seems to really kind of progressed. He was completely out of the squad yesterday. Yeah, they left um, Timo Werner, Marcos Alonso, and Callum Hudson-Odoi out of the squad. All three will be involved in outgoings talks now. I think that for Marcos Alonso, it's close to being done. For Timo Werner, it's... Quite um, advanced negotiations with RB Leipzig. Um, and then, yeah, Callum uh, Hudson-Odoi has not really got a solution yet or anything like that. So, yeah, three um, three situations there that emerged from just the team selection, which I was talking about before the match on Twitter, saying this is a really important team selection. The players were looking at it and they were saying, we wait for this moment. We wait to see what Thomas thinks. And I think Thomas wanted them to wait until this this time and and sort of, lay his cards on the table so that this week will be a lot of meetings around sort of outgoings. Um, I think that when it comes to incoming, I think that, you know, Wesley Fafana can come in without anyone leaving. So they want that to happen. Um, they want one more centre back. I don't know who they sign if they don't sign him. So, um, yeah, he's um, a huge target for Chelsea. Leicester don't want to let him go. Um, sounds like they've got the option to sell some of their fringe players as well. So, yeah, we'll see how those negotiations go. There's a lot of moving parts there. But at the end of the day, money talks. So if Chelsea want to pay for Fafana, who is pretty much the only option on the market, they pay, you know, and it, it's going to be expensive. I, I've spoken about it maybe being a world record for a central defender, um, which it could be. Um, so we'll see if it goes that high. I think that's up to Todd and, and Bedad to negotiate down um, with the Leicester bosses. We'll see who... See who um, see what happens there um and then yeah beyond that um i think that timo can leave maybe without a replacement because armando brosia seems to be right in the mix but they will be thinking maybe about signing a forward and and then you've got the de jong situation sort of lurking in the background can chelsea hijack man united's bid for him 
they've got a fee accepted, but it's an incredibly complicated situation. It's it's almost not one you want to get involved in. Um, it's essentially going to ruin Man United's season. So I don't think for Chelsea it's that that deep because you know Chelsea squad's much stronger than Man United's and there's a lot less need for him at Chelsea. But it is a really complicated thing for Chelsea to get involved in because what Man United are struggling with, Chelsea will struggle with. But then they also have to offload. Um, a midfielder, you know, I think that most people would say Jorginho is the most likely one you'd maybe sell. Um, but, you know, that's not something that's that's being worked on as far as I can tell right now. Um, there is interest and and he might feel it's better to sort of run down his contract and, and decide next summer. So, yeah, um, it's really complicated. Um, you know, actually, Jorginho has been really positive as well, I must say, and say that he could stay at Chelsea beyond his current contract. So, that's also an option that's on the table and, and Tuchel likes him. So it's really complicated on the midfielder front with the forwards. Maybe they sell some people and, 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 you know, they can also loan Brozier. I think that, I think that Everton would kill a man to sign Armando Breuer. <laughs> <laughs> they would kill a man. Um, my God. Um, so this, I've got, I've got a Michi Batshuayi that they could take on the, yeah, the discount. I think they'd rather the other guy, um, even on loan, but yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's it's really complicated. There'll be a lot of negotiations. I think there'll be a lot of changes. Though I think that Chelsea will carry players for the season who barely play as well. So I think that there could be that could be a difficult factor. I think it's going to be hard for Chelsea to offload all of them. They have a thirty-three man squad as we speak. Alonso will take it down to thirty-two of, of senior players, and then that's not including all the great academy players beneath it. So I think ideally you want to sell quite a lot of those. And and Chelsea, if they do sign for Fana. The transfer spend is going to be the biggest transfer spend in Chelsea's history, and maybe the biggest in Premier League history. Um, it is absolutely huge amount of money, and Todd Bowley is going to blow Abramovich's spending out of the water in year one. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that maybe you know Marina would have been balancing with player sales and. And maybe Todd needs to try and be good at negotiating that side as well. After a little while, it is. His focus has understandably been on incomings because there's a lot of things going on as well. Um, There's new financial fair play regulations coming in that are quite disadvantageous to Chelsea. I don't know if you guys know about it, but, you know, it's going to be linked to revenue. um, The wage bill is linked to revenue in the future and Chelsea have a small stadium. So they're automatically at a disadvantage between any clubs that have a bigger stadium than them. I mean, they'll get the Champions League revenues in and maybe teams like Man United won't, but then Man United will say, oh, we've got a bigger stadium. So, um, yeah, then, and also Chelsea's commercial revenue is not as good as as some of their rivals. So, yeah, I mean, spending now is also a really big opportunity for the the group. They, they want to spend before these regulations come in. Um, so that's probably something that's gone a bit under the radar with this whole situation and, and um, you know, a reason why Chelsea are breaking records, spending big now, because they have to do it now almost because building a new stadium will take years. Yeah, a lot, lot to pick apart there. The financial fair play thing is is really intriguing. Um, any sense on if it's actually going to be enforced or not? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's way more enforceable, actually. And um, Todd Bowley's actually spoken about it and, um, and admitted it's a concern. Um, he did it. He went on stage in Zurich, I think it was, at a, an event, and he said financial fair play looks like serious, um, a, a good regulation. Um, it's not going to be called financial fair play anymore, but... They're, um, yeah, it's going to be quite a good system. 
Uh, so. well, I think that's where where Glick is going to have a lot of responsibility to uh, a new uh, president of business, and it'll be up to him to drive some of that commercial revenue to actually help buffet the wage books effectively to ensure that Chelsea can be competitive, even if the stadium is undergoing that redevelopment phase. But I guess, Naz, if you were prognosticating a little bit out of the incomings left, you know, if you were saying Fafana, do you feel like that's likely, not likely, or where are you at within that transfer saga? I'd probably say 60-40 to happen um, in favour, um, just because Chelsea need it to happen. So I think they will they will make it happen, but it's, you know, it's not advanced really, um, and it's very expensive. So um, will they pay? But I feel like Bowley will pay. I've looked him in the eyes and I feel like this is a man who... He 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 just wants Thomas to have what he needs, and um, you know, even if they cost a bit too much, then so be it. Um, yeah, and Fafana's head's turned as well, so I think Leicester might think, you know, what we might never get a bid this high for Fafana. This might be the chance to sell him. Um, I don't think they want to because it's a terrible buying market for them. But you know, if it's a really big bid, it solves them a lot of problems financially as well because they're not in great shape. Um, and maybe they re- rebuild their defence with several signings. But, um, yeah, that's sort of my feeling around that. A, a question about Callum, because this is one that's kind of popped up over the last few days uh, as like a potential, right? Um, this is a guy who everyone was raging about in, in preseason about how fit he looked and then, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't see a whole lot out of him during preseason, didn't look especially quick or uh, dynamic on the ball in those preseason matches. Again, it's preseason. It is what it is. But for him to be left out of the squad yesterday is obviously a huge indicator that he's not favored right now. Um, is in your mind, if he leaves, is it permanent or is it loan? Definitely both are open. I think most people are saying loan right now, but you know, he's only got less than two years left on his contracts. And I think that, you know, if, if Thomas is going to be back to stay at Chelsea for a long time, I think Callum maybe has lost a lot of trust in him. He needs time. He needs somebody to help promote him. I don't think he got as many minutes in preseason as he would have wanted. He played at wing back as well. He doesn't want to play at wing back. He wants to play in Sterling's position, left wing, off the left. That's his best position. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he's sensible... He'll push for a permanent, um, and I don't know how much leverage Chelsea have to sort of stop him with, you know, not that long left on his deal. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a hot situation. I wonder what's going to happen. I uh, don't think he'll be short of buyers. Good age, potentially resale value, even if he struggles if you buy him. So, yeah, um, yeah, interesting. And, um, yeah, it's such a shame he's not lived up to his potential, but maybe a change of environment will get him back on track. So, Maybe best for all parties just to just to say goodbye. It's not no you know nothing personal, um, but it's just something that might need to happen. He needs if minutes. He, he hasn't gotten yeah. minutes in the three years we've been flirting around with this conversation. Yeah, it, I mean, but if he leaves, right, then you really have to look at if him and Timo both leave, you really have to look at another offensive replacement, right? I mean, I think that's the scenario. And Obama Yang came up last week, which is a. <sighs> Boy, that's Harvey. tough to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, Harvey obviously would love to promote him into the squad, but like, what what are your thoughts on then the attacker coming in? Because this is all we've been so focused on defense for such a long time that I, I'm just not, I'm not sure who that would be at this point. 
I think they could get a low low fee or loan type attacker, you know, and that, that might be what Aubameyang is, you know, somebody who's on high wages, but, you know, the club are ready to sell him, you know, in a great negotiating position there to go and make it happen or, uh, and, and, you know, then it doesn't block the pathway for Breuer too much because the guy who's coming in is a bit older, maybe can help him mentor, maybe steps aside after a year. So, um, and also guaranteed goals, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a tricky one. Um, I could see them, you know, buying in that replacement. I don't think they necessarily do have to. I think that they, you know, Ziyech and, and Pulisic are getting so few minutes that they would they would love to just be way more important in the squad and just step up and maybe, you know, you're like your your sort of, you know, your extra player is somebody like Harvey. You could do that, but um, yeah, it would take a bit of, I guess, a bit of balls to to do that. And and also Tuchel has so much power that. Why not just push for a, a ready-made player like Aubameyang who you get on with already? So I think the temptation will be there to get him in. I mean, I would probably err on the side of youth. You know, you've got Kani Chukwumeka as well, who's a really good attacking player, can play quite high up the pitch. So, um, yeah, there's there's options to to do it without signing, but maybe the temptation will be too much. That And, and there's, there is low-cost attackers. There's not low-cost centre-backs, but there's low-cost attackers on the market. So it's very tempting. It is strange to see that market like kind of flip-flop, right? There's just so so few elite defenders now in world football, and, and there's, there's a plethora of attackers out there that you can potentially pick up just who fits the right system. Dan, anything you want to touch on as far as the transfer window before we move on? No, I got to ask my question. All right. Well, I'm just giving oh, you last. Last, can I ask one more? <laughs> All right. So, what? He, and Nick gets used mine. Nick can use mine. Oh, yeah, I'm using <laughs> okay. Dan's one question on on the podcast that I've done for eight years. So thanks. Um, the wage bill is my last question. Um, obviously, if you start to offload players on high wages like Timo Werner, etc., right? Like, Even Callum's on a buck twenty. Yeah. For yeah. Um, that is a good thing for Chelsea, right? We've obviously have Sterling on some high wages and some other players on some high wages, but um, this is something that Chelsea obviously need to to right size. Um, so in thinking about players that you bring in, right, thinking about Fafana or Aubameyang or any of these other players that we're linked to, it, that has to be a consideration for Bowley, right? If you're going to offload Timo Werner, you don't want to just go and replace his wages straight away with another high wage earner, right? So is that something that you're kind of thinking about as well? Yeah, but you can't sign a world record defender and not give him wages that reflect the fee that you buy him for. So it's, it's, it is it is difficult. Tricky. It's, it's a huge yeah. problem for Chelsea wages overall because they've made a lot of mistakes on it. You know, Kai, Timo... Romelu Lukaku, they're all the highest paid players at the club and they're they're not, you know, key players. And then you've got sort of Keppers on loads and, and Alonso was on loads and and Aspie's on loads of money and, and Callum and Ruben Loft Ruben Loftus Cheek as well. But then the guys who are not on loads of money, they're like the Reese James and Mason Mount. You need to enter contract negotiations with them very soon. So um some big decisions are gonna have to be made here. Um you know, they could let and go low go at the end of the season to try and reduce the wage bill um the other thing they are doing actively is um linking it to bonuses so you know sterling's contracts is high but a lot of it's bonus driven so you know if chelsea get in the champions league and things like that they pay him they pay him a lot more money so uh yeah they do that because you know what i was saying earlier about the new financial fair play type uh system coming in you know it'll be linked to revenue so you need the players to bring the revenue to pay them 
the big money. So um, I think that's the way Chelsea are going to go under Todd. Um, it also makes negotiations maybe harder at some point. But uh, yeah, um, they're going to be, there's just one problem after the other being solved. You know, this is the problem now is getting the squad to a level. Um, and then the next problem's contracts because you've got the expiring ones um, and you've got the size of the contracts and the and the contracts, um, you know, the, the better players being on uh, less and, and things like that. So, yeah, and you're also paying for some of the players to leave. Like, I don't believe RB Leipzig will pay the full wage of Timo Werner. There's absolutely no way that will happen. Chelsea will pay a proportion of his wages, whether he goes permanent or whether he goes on loan. Chelsea has to pay for some of the wages because they simply cannot afford it. Um, same with Romelu Lukaku at Inter. Um, and then Kepa at Napoli will be exactly the same as well. So you keep replicating these things, and that that's a player in your squad because you know you you're paying such a you know a large amount to let other players, you know, other teams have your players. So there's loads of problems like that. I think that the the regime are going to be solving this problem for three, four years. That's the problem yeah. with the contracts. Well, um, yeah, Lukaku, Timo, even Drinkwater, you know, there's a lot of these guys that if you can move off, um, will make room um, for, for other players as they're coming in. Uh, and there's still the disparity between, to your point, as Reese and, and Mason and kind of what they're earning. But uh, we'll get into more of that a little bit later. Right now, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here with the Dan of the Match. It's back, baby. It's back. That's right. The day of the match has returned. And look, you know what? We were on the same page because, look, there were a couple great choices in Koulibaly and Sterling, the debut taunts and what they brought to the hitch. 2.4% uh, people had a write-in option. And, you know, Conte and Mendy, Mendy were both options there. Mendy. But Thiago Silva with a overwhelming <laughs> 46% was your winner on the day. So well done, Thiago Silva, Premier League man of the match, but more importantly, more prestigious, the Dan of the match. Congratulations. First one of the 2022-23 campaign. I mean, it seems when you only score goal How do you top pen? that, Brandon? You don't. You don't. <laughs> You're not going to get your attackers in there, which kind of uh, makes right. sense. Okay. Um, all right. Well, as we look around the Premier League this weekend uh, in the opening game week, as we record um, Manchester City are beating West Ham one nothing in the second half. So you're probably going to assume City uh, are going to win that. Otherwise, uh, the opening match, Arsenal 2, Palace 0. Uh, then we had Liverpool 2, Fulham 2, which was a bit of an exciting Shocking. shootout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Bournemouth 2, Villa 0. Sucks for Matt Law. In their More team. shocking. Uh, Newcastle 2, Nottingham Forest 0, Tottenham 4, Southampton 1, which is very favorable for Tottenham uh, based on how that match went. Leads to Wolves 1, probably a bit of a surprise. Everton 0, Chelsea 1, we know. Leicester 2, Brentford 2, uh, United 1, Brighton 2. Big upset there. And then West Ham nil, Man City one. Like I said, as it stands, expect that to go uh, to full time. But the good news, Naz, is no nil-nil draws. Goals in every single fixture. Uh, if anything, you could say we are the most boring of the weekend so far. <laughs> um, but the goals yeah. are back. The league is back. Yeah, it's good. I think we love the Premier League, really, don't we? You know, we do miss it when it's gone. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was loving it. I've watched so much of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be... Pretty much watching it all until I get sick of it in about September when it's two games a week again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is like Christmas morning for us. Like you you wake up, everyone has a fresh expectation of the season. You can go achieve anything, you know, except except if you're Villa, when that's going to be a, a tough 
tough season. Then you for them. open your present and it's a box of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, one of the worst own goals I've ever seen in my life was from Salisu at at Southampton in that Spurs match. Literally kicked it into his own net uh, in one of the worst fashions I've ever seen. It was. Uh, uh, Reese Reese James too, uh, Bettinelli esque from preseason. It was it was comically bad, um, but you know I, I I will also give a shout out to a young American at Leeds and Brendan Aronson, who I think is is going to shock some people with how good he is this year. He's in my McAllister for Brighton really tried to one up that own goal though. Oh, yeah. His was a perfect uh, toe poke into the back of the net. To help out you uh, united so Lisa really really uh gave it the outside pass in though and that, that was a difficult one to take i think but uh but yeah i mean it's gonna be a weird season i don't know i think it's just gonna be a bit strange and uh like i said the mid table is probably gonna challenge the top six more than it has in the past five years well, we well let's want, see go ahead and say we, we all want a bit of darwin nunez's look you know he he uh gets the ball kicked against him for his goal and uh then he miscontrols it and gets an assist for seller that's uh that's that's like christmas morning for you yeah we'll see how long that luck holds out but anyways the Premier league is back we don't need to say anything too crazy after one game week uh but uh well We'll sure get ready for the next one. Obviously, being Spurs is a big one uh, for Chelsea. So we've got some time to prepare, uh, but lots more content coming at you throughout the week. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Plug in. Um, uh, yeah, Academy, like we said, um, transfers. There's just there's nonstop action around Chelsea this week. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Naz, thank you so much. Go follow the man. Tell him you heard him on the pod. Thank him. Uh, and that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.